So like, <laughs> we start as we do everything, everything, every week. Um, this week for the last time with announcements. Does anyone have any announcements? Literally nothing that's going to happen between now and September, so it should be Miss Vetter. Um, if anybody has money to go to the phone book, you get your money to the ASAP. I would love you for it. Thank you very much. Excellent. Um, with that, we have another announcement from Mr. Black. Yes, uh, just very last one I said last week. Uh, we're hoping to host a snap mock general election debate in the first week of June. Can I have again? Put your hands. Who would be interested in attending that in the first week of June? <laughs> okay. Uh, also, the plan at the moment, something that changes, but something uh, to plan is that we'll have at least four speakers. Uh, it will be Labour, Conservatives, Lib Dems, and Greens. Uh, possibly two of each. If you have any interest, get in contact with the council or whatnot. Also, there's the joint debate QCon Dragon Slayers. Uh, if anybody's interested in speaking to that, the motion again is probably going to be. Uh, this house believes the book is better than the film. Again, subject to change, but it's going to be posted. But if anybody's interested, let me know. There's also, uh, over the summer, our outgoing beloved president has begun the motions of arranging. Uh, what is the exact wording of an LGBT open event? Yes. And yes. that's, think of, think of it as an ID, but specifically for those of the LGBT plus community. Um, the main reason I bring that up is because we're we could do with crash and yeah. people letting people sleep on their floors. We don't need we don't need beds, we don't need anything, we just need floor space yeah. and they will bring their bodies. The neighbors will sleep literally anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> on the stairs, on the roof, yeah. on the <laughs> standing up being at the wall. Draw from that you will. Um I think, think that's all the Oh, uh, the internal meeting. Uh, when is the, what did we pick? Subject to change roughly the tenth. Roughly the tenth. So the internal meeting, for those of you who don't know, is when we decide the uh, exact wordings of motions for next year. Uh, so please come on to that. Again, we'll keep you posted. But oh, we should put up a spreadsheet, right? Uh, for suggestions. So that'll go up. Yes, that'll go up tonight or tomorrow. Fill that out, and you'll see more information about the actual event then. But everything. Maybe, so, can we all good? Okay, that's all the answer. No, uh, and with that, uh, for the last time, I'd love to session. I welcome Mr. Rob Whitehurst to read out the minutes of the last debate, and I'm actually going to remember it for once this week. This House believes all nationalism leaves to Zen. Thank you everyone. Owing to the slightly ragged state of my ability as well as the state of society, I couldn't find clean paper, so the back of my minute is written on uh, baby massage. That's <laughs> 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 not to ask. The 22nd Ordinary Meeting of the Literary and Scientific Society took place on the 4th of May 2017 and was attended by 35 members. Private member of business was heard from President-elect Calvin Black, who wished to make the House aware of a potential joint event with Huey Dragon Slayers, as he has done this evening, as well as a possible general election debate here at the Litter Ever. Elsewhere, Tech Officer Chris Pratt asked for the House's opinion on the friendship election. Ms. Kira Campbell wished to one day have an ego big enough to name her and her political party after her own initials, as Emmanuel Macron had done with En Marche. <laughs> Mr. Pinbar Rogers asked that we forget about the French as a bunch of, ch a bunch of cheese eating surrender monkeys, leading Chris Pratt to defend their honour. <laughs> Mr. Whitehurst praised the Crystal Maze style of French debate before Secretary elect Peter Beck concluded that France wouldn't be amazing if it wasn't for the French. <laughs> 
President's questions are heard from Ms. Sheafa Dixon, who asked Mr. Murphy what he had for petit déjeuner. The President enjoyed the pops to cook up. <laughs> Before finally, Ms. Kira Campbell asked Mr. Murphy about his collar, with the outgoing President noting that he had to do something to signify his place within high society. <laughs> Without further ado, President Murphy then announced the evening's motion, This House believes all nationalism leads to xenophobia. Opening for the proposition was Ms. Sheafa Dixon. She began by labelling nationalism as the politicisation of culture, which creates an arbitrary binary between those who are and those who are not compatriots. She raised a very real issue of otherization of nationalities and cultures from different uh, and cultures different from our own within society, commenting that a fixation on these imagined communities of countries makes universalism impossible. She asserted that xenophobia is simply hatred or fear of what we don't understand, and nationalism only serves to calcify this ignorance. Opening the opposition was Mr. Ryan Neal. He asserted the proposition had a very limited understanding of both the motion and nationalism. He lauded the idea of civic nationalism, where communities are formed based on similarity of culture and civility, rather than, rather than being established by race or religion. He claimed that this kind of nationalism allows for positives of collectivism while still empowering individuals, for concluding that nationalism can't be held responsible for individual cases of xenophobia. Speaking secondly for the proposition was Ms. Kira Campbell. She ended up mistakes and claims that nationalism creates an inherent othering of cultures, pointing towards the Muslim ban in the United States. She also rejected the opposition's claims that not all nationalism is negative, claiming that all its forms bring about territoriality based upon arbitrary borders. She concluded with philosopher Hannah Arendt's claim that nationalism makes worldwide human rights an impossible scenario. Continuing with the opposition was Baden speaker, Mr. Conor McNamara. He established that he was feeling particularly unrelenting under the weather that evening and blamed at least a portion of that on the arguments of the proposition. He claimed that we are all products of civic nationalism, as is our very society. Mr. McNamara put forth that we have evolved nationalism for useful means and that the proposition was ignoring the plight of pan-nationals. In what I'm now convinced is a conscious effort by the society to create a new meaning, he concluded with a John Stuart Mill quote. <laughs> Concluding the proposition was Mr. Richie Gallagher. He came to play and stated that he is an Irish nationalist, before making it clear that, he, uh, that one can support national self-determination without endorsing a nationalist ideology. He endorsed cosmopolitanism, a philosophy of viewing everyone in the world as equal, regardless of borders and nationalities. He asserted that to be proud of one's nationality is wholly irrational, asking how anyone could take pride, that, uh, how anyone could take pride in being born by total fluke within the confines of arbitrary man-made borders. He concluded with a quote from Albert Einstein, which labelled nationalism as an infantile disease. Concluding the opposition in some of the debates was honorary life member Mr. Finbar Rogers. He opened by stating that one needn't hate someone else's home to appreciate one's own. In a whirlwind speech, Mr. Rogers claimed that we can't blame nationalism on Americans being thick, that Irish nationalism is indeed cosmopolitan, and that people like Nigel Farage shouldn't be allowed to defy nationalism. He concluded by saying that all xenophobes are nationalists, but not all nationalists are xenophobes. Questions have heard from Mr. Jamie Muller, Mr. Peter Beck, Mr. Matthew Solomon, Ms. Lauren Corby O'Neill, Mr. Colin Black, and Mr. Chris Sprout. A vote based on House opinion was taken, which read 7 ayes, 15 nays, and 6 abstentions. Or finally, a vote based on Speaker's performance was taken, which read 7 ayes, 11 nays, and 12 abstentions. May I take the minutes as read? Sessions, so does anyone have any pressing business they want to bring before the society? Mr. Sullivan. So, 
Theresa May said she's going to rule out any televised debates. And also, what she's sort of doing is she won't take any questions from reporters unless those questions have been pre-approved. My question to the House is, what do you think Theresa May is so terribly afraid of? <laughs> Mr. Backman. Just for some clarity, she right now actually is on LBC taking calls from listeners live, by the way, and she is going for a debate on BBC Question Time. Nobody cares! Theresa May is Well, what I would say is. I know, so you stand up and you're making more questions. Sorry. I will find you next year if you don't stand up. <laughs> I genuinely do just forget what dinner is for. I don't believe you. <laughs> um, so I'd like to address the point made by Ma Mr. Matthew Sullivan that Theresa May is afraid. I would say the reason she's doing this is in fact the exact opposite. She is in fact so confident of the fact she can secure an election victory that she all she needs to do is not completely muck it up. <laughs> so to try and make herself appear more desirable than Jeremy Corbyn because she's already done that. <laughs> she just needs to sit still for the like, next one. <laughs> that would probably be the aim of refusing to do televised debates, pre-approved questions, etc. And then we have any comments? For a very small down at the huge point, he said that Theresa May made herself more appealing than Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> Well, I believe Jeremy Corbyn means <laughs> <laughs> himself last of him. To try and answer the question, and for some of you, like, occasionally procrastinates by watching various questions, maybe the answer is she's not very good at answering questions. And that's why she's had more <laughs> rather than any confidence And actually in primary questions. The answers that Jeremy Corbyn comes with are more like cutting than cheaper. And I think the fact that Theresa May actually doesn't answer questions is probably quite a good note to end it all. Uh, arbitrary. Uh, does anyone else have any comments? Uh, Prime members, Mrs. Hudson, yeah. Yourself, sir, Mr. Gov. Um, yeah, well, I'd just like to say on her performance on the one show the last um, the few days ago was evidence that, yeah, she isn't very good at interviews, and that's probably why she's opting not to do it. And does anyone have any new ideas? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Macklin. Um, well, the French election, congratulations to Macron, you know, we got a landslide victory, and I think this country really needs a uh, strong and stable leadership in the national interest. <laughs> 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 um, it's not going to be the guy that pays police officers really to deliver it. No. Thank you very much for yet another press release from Dunning Street. <laughs> <laughs> Yourself, sir? We find Macklin for political polemic. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm disappointed that nobody actually brought me for it tonight anyway, so damn me, sir, you're getting a fan. <laughs> I, I want that noted. Um, <laughs> does anyone else have any private members' business that doesn't infringe upon the Constitution? <laughs> I'm just going to take your side since that you all have private members' business and it all infringes the Constitution. Uh, Mr. Black? Right, um, so I, I'd like to tell my side. Short tail. Worked through the whole little week together. What was that? Beautiful conversation. It'll be good. It'll be good. I promise. Yeah, yes. You might get out. So. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a point somewhere. So, um, as we all know, this is, this is the last uh, meeting that certain members of the 
that's it. Certain numbers are the ones that the council would be checking. And of course, we are all very appreciative to all of them. Of course, one of the for all of them. Yes, go on. I want to talk about one particular thing. Uh, I came to Queen's four years ago, and in my first year I met and made many good friends, many of whom went on to do absolutely nothing. <laughs> but one time I did go on to the starry heights of the literary presidency, and that was Mr. Benjamin Murphy. Mr. Benjamin Murphy and I have been very good friends uh, for the past few years, but particularly the past two. And there is there's reason to tell that some of you already know which I think it's worth uh, telling the end to those who don't. We both ran disastrous uh, campaigns for literary positions in our first year. Utterly dreadful. Uh, we, don't, we don't need to speak to them. Mine, mine was worse than yours. <laughs> no, 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 no. Literally, I destroyed all the evidence of mine. <laughs> um, what basically happened was, was that uh, we all stood for something. I stood first, I believe, and my, my speech was dreadful. It was just absolutely shocking. I hadn't prepared anything. I can't do what you've done at all. I can't prepare anything. And I knew my speech was dreadful. Everybody knew it was sort of bad. And so rather than, you know, being a good friend who stands by me through thick and thin, no matter what, Ben instead decided to write on his vote for, uh, what was it, Maximus Decimus Aurelius, commander of the Army of the Armies of the North, General of the Felix Legion, husband to a murdered wife. <laughs> I will have my revenge. <laughs> in this life, or the next, or the next. <laughs> uh, I, of course, was sitting a bit hurt and aghast at this. So when it came time for Ben's, I didn't really even listen to the I just completely ignored it. I decided to write on my uh, paper, Cthulhu. Long may he terrorize. And then this has been a beautiful adventure. I'm telling a story. <laughs> He's a great old one. Elder gods are totally different. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Let's make Well, nevertheless, uh, that's that's going to be actually very relevant. We'll point in just a couple of seconds because that, this has been a little tradition and joke that's gone on for the past couple of years. Anytime we've had an opportunity to write in for each other on a book. Uh, you would write in for the big long man for the guy from Gladiator, I would write in Cthulhu. Um, and now, now that Ben's time at this society has come to an end, because of course he will return next year, but he won't be here every week like he has been for the past while, I personally wanted to get him a little something. Uh, the gift of the pen that we all saw him get from Cthulhu, that was from the council himself, that's a bit of tradition. But this, this is for me personally, and as some of you know, because I got somebody to sign it. Uh, it is if you love crafts, the Necronomicon, the complete works of If you love crafts, including the stories of Cthulhu and the other oh my eldritch abominations. <laughs> I think that's what we spoke about. That's amazing. And there you go, that's what I see. So, Campbell. What the hell is with your colour? <laughs> <laughs> I, 
thought that, you know, for the last few, the, the last few semesters I've been wearing, one can say the best bow ties. <laughs> really great bow ties, like I do the best bow ties. Um, I thought I'd sort of dress down to mark the occasion of like, you know, my, my, my line coming to an end, like Prospero Dearly. <laughs> so I'm channeling sort of suburban Italian restaurant manager. <laughs> I mean, take your pick. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it's symbolic, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the bow ties there, you, you can't have it. No, that's not. No. Um, does anybody else have any other questions for me? Um, Mr. Dare? Since I never ask it, I'll ask it for the last time. What do you have for breakfast? Um, I have recently been reading, sort of, in my spare time, like, accounts of what men on death row have. <laughs> That's where my mind wanders when I'm procrastinating. So, like, you know, John Wayne and Gacy had a massive bucket of fried chicken and they had strawberries and all sorts of stuff, and he had a, like, a really great last meal. And I was like, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to make sure that the, the society knows that forever onwards I, I am well, well fed. That like, yeah, was three ages. And then I forgot that I had a tuna and sweet corn sandwich. <laughs> okay. so, and it wasn't even a good tuna and sweet corn sandwich. It was really, it was really, but say. But it was really awful. <laughs> you didn't even pinch it. I didn't even pinch it. Oh, oh. I mean, she can testify about awful. Yeah, so that answers that. You're having breakfast with care. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> 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 I'm there, there's a beer. Any other questions for me? Any other pressing issues that you want to ask me about? Is there, I can't, why is there so many? Um, Mr. Dolan, you What was that? <laughs> <laughs> I still have that story. What, what was the best bit about being president of the Literary and Scientific Society? People actually paid me attention. <laughs> People, people find appreciated the, the, the pinnacle of fashion that I am and always have been. Um, my beautiful bow tie. Uh, yes. When I wore my bow tie to the conference at Sydney last week, um, I had to negotiate with my mum because I actually picked a more floral one that she said was too gay. I had to negotiate going to a multi-coloured paisley bow tie, which apparently is less gay, but you know, it's um, yeah, so people appreciate my bow ties I've come to. So, yeah, uh, you know who you are, all three of you. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, with that, we'll take the last question. This is going to seem like such a rubbish question about the previous one, but how is your most recent train journey with France like? <laughs> so, like, Ten Dunning suit over here, and PR, PHR for translate over here. Um, when was the last time I used Translate? It was entirely forgettable. <laughs> so, are you like implying something that I'm not aware of? Or? No, I despise Translate. Oh. <laughs> it was false. Mr. Whitehurst. I'll have the President's questions end on that, so. <laughs> um, what was your favourite debate at the time here? 
The one where I, I, I think I get my best speech was possibly my favorite. Like, I think the, the UI debate was possibly my favorite, but joke with the one that I get my best speech in, which <laughs> was uh, this house of Nail Sack Tape. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought I spoke very well about that. <laughs> yeah. uh, that. I think that also had to be my first debate, so I think it was all my help from there. Um, yeah, and with that, I will stop talking with the strong break. I will finally get on to tonight's motion. Finally get on to tonight's motion. Uh, this house believes that cultural appropriation, cultural appropriation is cultural appreciation. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, for talking And I welcome to, for the proposition, Ms. Olivera so I've like put this in the biggest font possible. Um, so if I'm like squinting, don't judge me. Um, okay. Can I see it yet? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, honourable chairperson. I would first like to start by telling you what we, the proposition, see the motion to be. The statement cultural appropriation largely assumes the element of culture that is being appropriated is being done so harmfully we, however, believe this is untrue, and it assumes cultural misappropriation, which is largely viewed um, as a violation of collective intellectual property rights. It assumes an innate malice within those who are seen as appropriating the culture. We, the proposition, believe that these people are indeed culturally appreciating, not culturally appropriating. Appreciation does not, nor in any way, need to imply an understanding of the thing which the person is appreciating. Take, for instance, enjoying someone's skirt at a debate and posting a picture on Twitter. This doesn't mean that you don't appreciate what the other people in the room are wearing. It just means that no knowledge of where the skirts come from that you might like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is in instances such as these, although this may not be deemed as cultural appropriation, it is, um, it is viewed as gender appropriation, which holds the same supposed bias behind it as that of cultural appropriation. Herein lies the problem. As previously stated, appropriation does not imply understanding. It does not un unintentionally cause offence towards it, it doesn't unintentionally cause offence towards those who may possess the expert understanding. As we will go on to explain later, there is a negative bias at play as those um, as although though, although there have been extreme cases of cultural appropriation, as there is with any contentious issue, there are also underlying aspects ingrained into our culture that have been overlooked, such as yoga, or that Indian takeaway you had for dinner last night. <laughs> Surely, enjoying the new foods, activities, and beauty trends that are brought in from other countries and cultures, whether they be, um, whether those be uh, from those people who have migrated to the country, or from the information that is so readily available to us in this globalising world, um, is merely a way of showing how proud and appreciative we are as Westerners um, to be able to access them. Justin Bieber, within recently, began sporting dreadlocks, and as a lot of people will know, there was a lot of negative press around this. Some say that this is cultural appropriation for Bieber to wear dreadlocks because it's a black hairstyle. However, dreadlocks have been appeared in many groups throughout history, from Hinduism, Christianity, Judaism to the Greeks, and of course Af African tribes and Rastafarians. Who is it to say that one group owns a hairstyle over the next group? Where do we draw the line? If you want to live in a diverse society where you're able to respect other religions, 
such as if you went to another country where it's considered disrespectful to have your hair on show, you would wear a hair covering if asked. So why is it different for when other cultures come over to our country, in particular Ireland, and appropriate the traditions of cultures such as tribal music or Celtic symbols? There are elements, of course, where the, those people are seen to be appropriating specifically religious symbols, such as a bindi or a turban. However, if a person is in fact aiming to convert to a specific religion, it is not a matter of appropriation or appreciation. It's about their own personal convictions and beliefs. On that point? No, thank you. In this 21st society, we would begin. Um, we would be fighting for a world where everyone has the right to express themselves. On the flip side, some of you may be asking, what about when people of colour bleach their skin to appear more westernised? And what the difference between this and Caucasian people putting their hair in dreadlocks is? This is a separate debate entirely. Um, and not to do with appropriation, as it is in fact to do with the homogenisation of the society and the pressures of people of colour to appear more Caucasian or Western and do not with either appreciation or appropriation. Overall, it is, in, it is the manner in which we adopt other people's cultural symbols that determine whether it is a case for appropriation or appreciation. At many universities, like our own, um, a Greek toga body is a common sight. Yes. We're still dealing with that in terms of a binary there of appreciation or appropriation, not so much as saying that appropriation is appreciation. So what is what makes them the same essentially? What makes can essentially you, you state these essentially that you're dealing with everything as if there there are indeed harmful acts which you would say, mm -hmm. but there are also non-harmful acts. Mm -hmm. Brave bitch. So a Greek take part, which is a many, it's a common side of many freshmen. While adopting the ancient Greek culture is fairly unlikely to cause offence, half is of these nature, um, in which people can be seen covering themselves in outfits and symbols which are in no way relevant to their own cultures can cause offence as they are showing, they um, are showing no respect for the meaning behind the cultural symbols as they are trying to represent through their appearance. However, if someone is attempting to integrate with or show respect to another culture, they are clearly appreciating it for its meanings and origins. The circumstances in which a person uses another culture dictate whether their actions can be seen as appropriation or appreciation. Respect is key, and in the case that the person has genuine reasons for adopting a culture and educates themselves, then we, as a proposition, would argue that this is indeed appreciation. On that point? Yes, you. I'm standing up for this. <laughs> Say that a toga party really is in proper respect of the philosophical or a, the philosophical ideals or you know, the industry of ancient Greek society. Is it not just a lot more fancy, fancy dress up than that, and not really appreciation of what they actually mean? Well, no, like I said, it's more to do with the fact that uh, it depends who is kind of viewing it, and obviously it's something that isn't. Uh, immediately deemed as something that is being appropriating because it's obviously to do with like a more ancient society. However, um, so, like it just depends on who you're talking to. Okay? Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you.
the opposition, Mr. Jeremy Rose. Dear Chairperson, Honourable Members of the House, Today I stand before you white and male, and yet talking on the issue of cultural appropriation. I've had to educate myself accordingly. <laughs> My sources include everydayfeminism.com <laughs> Some of these sites were enlightening. <laughs> For instance, I learned that cooking foreign food without the permission of someone from the relevant culture could be cultural appropriation. On other sites, I've heard horror stories of professors at colleges being beaten by angry mobs of students for defending free speech. Now, how can a concept so ludicrous, defended by people seemingly so moralistic, have any, have any merit whatsoever? But I would ask you for a moment to take a look at the motion, to go with me through these terms and unpack them, and then I would like to, I'd like to show you a sort of a perspective on why might be a very bad thing. So what is, what is appreciation, first of all? Well, it's a, in a sense, if you look at the definition, it's valuing something or enjoying something, or enjoying something, recognizing the value within it. And appropriation is taking something, and I beg to differ with the proposition here, it's taking something without permission, it's taking something and representing it. And that's the key word. So we're talking about two things, valuing something and representing it. And I'd like to clear, clearly make a distinction here between cultural exchange and cultural appropriation, because cultural exchange happens when two people share or exchange their, their backgrounds and their traditions. Cultural appropriation doesn't involve that, because it's, it's, it happens without contact, without permission from this other side. So essentially, I would like to assert my first point, which is that the act of misrepresenting something is not appreciating it. And cultural appropriation is necessarily misrepresenting something because of the, because of the lack of contact with the other side. So that's my first point. My second point is this. Appropriation, what it does often in practice, this is a consequentialist point, it ignores and it masks history and it ignores underlying power dynamics within society. So as with any topic, context is vital. I'm not saying that everyone who attempts to appropriate culture is necessarily doing something terribly evil. But with some certainty, I can say that many acts of cultural appropriation will involve minorities, groups that have suffered discrimination in the past, and often continue to. And so what harm does wearing a Native American costume do or dressing up as a member of the Sinti and Roma community? Well, nine times out of 10, what you're doing is you're creating a caricature, caricature of that identity. You know, history, history creates identity, and oftentimes when we caricaturize identity, we, we, sort of, we sort of caricaturize history as well. We make light of it, we trivialize it, we mask it. And what we have to do to see injustice in our society, to really address it, is to see it as it is. And what I propose today is that what cultural appropriation does is it really it masks that kind of thing. It separates, it masks injustice because it masks what the cultures truly are and where they come from. And importantly, what it does is it separates people from their culture too because when you appropriate culture, when you see people celebrating St. Patrick's Day in New York by dressing up as leprechauns and drinking green beer, 
you can obviously tell that that, that has nothing to do with, 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 with your identity. And what, what happens there is that something is being taken, I'll take your point in a minute, something's being taken and they're building upon it. But they're keeping the same name. This is the worst case of identity theft possible because they're building upon it and they're separating you from, from what was essentially yours. So this is another problem. So what happens is we end up in a situation where we're perfectly happy to eat kebabs and curries. But we, where we might think that's perfectly consistent with not liking foreigners, we might say, we're, we can't be racist, we couldn't possibly be racist, because we, we seemingly appreciate all these cultures. We seemingly have them so embedded in our society, so how could we still have problems with minorities in our society? But those problems clearly are still there sometimes. So I don't want to be the social justice warrior and say that all instances of dress-up are necessarily terrible. But I do want to say this, and I want to finish by saying what the proposition is arguing for tonight is essentially that it's essentially that no costume is too insensitive, no example is too ignorant, and there's no line to be crossed in this matter, in this matter of culture. So if even one argument on our side of the debate tonight rings true with you, I would urge you to oppose this motion. Thank you.
after I'm finished in the library and I've done my exams in a few weeks and I'm free, I might decide to treat myself to a nice exotic cuisine. Where I will go, I don't know. Whether it's Japanese, Korean or Thai, I'll appreciate it. I'll appreciate it because I appreciate how I spend my time. And how I spend my time is not solely made up of activities that are from my culture. But the opposition would have us believe, and what Jeremy said, is that these instances they don't matter. What matters is the extreme. What matters is when you wear your Indian headdress, like you do every weekend. They exist, I don't know what that is. It's clearly something from the feminist website that we talk about. Well, I believe this, these instances can be appropriation and can be offensive. I don't believe they represent what, what we're talking about here. We're talking about here, here is culture. We're talking about appreciating your daily life and the things that make up with it. On that point, sir? No, 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 no. Oh, sorry. Actually, no. So when I drink tea, that's cultural appropriation. When I bread for sushi, that's cultural appropriation. When I listen to hip hop, that's well, cultural appropriation. No. <laughs> but I appreciate it. I appreciate all these things. I may sound be but I represent my culture just as much as anyone else. And I'd be sad if you could find a person who simply filled their lives with appropriate activities out of malice and, and hatred of another culture, rather than out of fulfillment and enjoyment of their own lives. Might have completely changed what I'm talking about. Uh, I was reading, uh, while thinking about this motion and why someone might disagree with it, I was thinking that, well, it seems that these very extreme cases get a lot of press in the media. And um, it made me think of a thing I've heard about before, known as a negativity bias. And this is where it's a psychological phenomenon where negative and positive stimuli of equal size are reported that the negative stimuli is or a sociological phenomenon would be perceived to be of greater magnitude. So I was reading an article called Bad is Stronger Than Good in the review of general psychology. And it gave a great example of how this bias would work and how and I'm going to draw a parallel with this motion this evening. They give an example of social rejection in groups of children. They measured the most popular children and the rejected children, and they find that the consistency of reports across the children, the parents, and self-reporting of children agreed far more about who was rejected than who was popular. So in other words, all perspectives agreed more about who was rejected than who was popular. All perspectives agreed more about who was rejected than who was popular. So the analogy I want to make is this. It seems that all perspectives agree here more about the non-appreciation than appreciation. Without running the risk of being rude, I want to say that you do not check your privilege but that you check your bias. You drink tea, you practice yoga, you eat sushi. Point, sir. Oh, point. <laughs> if we truly believe your daily life and the activities that you use to fill it are less important or less relevant than Miley Cyrus twerking or Katy Perry wearing a bindi, then by all means vote against this motion. But do so in the understanding that you may be a victim of your own mind, evolutionarily programmed to seek out the bad of the good. So I make a final plea. Would you go to the end of this motion tonight? Thank you. And continuing for the opposition, Mr. Huey Dunn.
if he comes near me again for another beer. A round of applause again for Mr. Rodian Mackle, who is making his maiden speech in this appropriation does. We take on things that do not belong to us in a way that, as Jeremy said, creates a caricature. And there's nothing about that which is appreciated. Now, I'll get into my main points, but first about some things that Proposition have already said. About the point Lily first brought up, brought up about what cultural misappropriation is. Now, I'm going to go to my first source of tonight, which is my good friend, Mr. Oxford Dictionary. <laughs> now, their definition of appropriation is when we take something without the owner's permission. Now, this goes back again to what Jeremy has already said. The point is, when we appropriate something's culture, then we are doing so without A, receiving permission from, I don't know, the culture which owns it, or we do not take proper appreciation for its history. No, no. A point was made by Mr. Liam Mackle about how we like to sort out the negatives, about how there's a consensus on that. The reason for this partly falls to cultural appropriation. Because, as Jeremy has already outlined, this is because we create caricatures of history. I've probably said that phrase about five times now. It's a wonderful phrase. So, the point being that whenever we take cultures in this kind of way, whenever we bastardize it for our own use, whether it be certain foods, whether it be yoga, we don't properly understand where it comes from. What this leads to is us taking it for granted. We would be more welcoming of these groups, of these minorities, of different cultures, if, in integrating parts of their culture to our society, we took proper respect for where it came from, where it's going, and what it properly signifies. This is what Jeremy already spoke about when he talked about cultural exchange. Yes? You don't need Stand to up. You don't, you don't need to know the whole backstory behind your dinner. It's <laughs> <laughs> the point of cultural mixing and fusing is that you take the best bits from others and integrate it into your own, and surely that's for the benefit of all humanity, history aside. But we need to be careful about the ways in which things are integrated. Obviously, food is pretty much free game. We have potatoes, <laughs> someone else has, well, you don't grow curry, but you get a point, sir. <laughs> properly exchanging culture. Instead, appropriate. We don't buy Chinese food from a restaurant without paying for it, without, as I said, getting permission or learning how to cook it. That's pretty much all there is to the backstory. In that case, we're not creating a character. But it comes in more extreme forms of appropriation where the true danger lies. No. If I were to show up today wearing, say, a Native American headdress, 
This doesn't mean that I don't actually appreciate where it comes from, but the item, the symbol, has a reverence behind it, a spirituality, which means I am not qualified to wear it. We need to accept that certain symbols of other people's oh, culture... Oh, well, um, as an atheist, I say spirituality is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I thank Kieran Gallagher for pointing out his religion. <laughs> I'm not sure of the relevance. However, the point is that we have to accept what certain symbols mean to other people. We don't start integrating it into our own culture without properly accepting where it came from. No. So, misrepresentation is not a appreciation. I already mentioned the example there, this thing always comes back to Halloween costume because it's probably the most contentious example and that's why I'm going to draw attention to it. When we misrepresent a culture like that, then it creates harm. I go back to characters because we then create this idea about who people are and then cultures, people, they become marginalised and we start to think that, you know, it's not really a problem to start misrepresenting things. That's only a few steps away from racism. By normalizing appropriation, we normalize us not taking proper regard for other cultures in our society, especially those ones who are traditionally ignored or have. Yes. Um, okay, so we talked about um, representation and misrepresentation. I mean, what you're really talking about is how that culture would wish to be represented, which may not be an accurate representation. For instance, the purposes of parody. Certainly a politician who's had, say, a caricature drawn of them could say that they've been misrepresented, but others may say that's quite accurate. So in terms of uh, appropriation in that sense, how would you define your emotion? Because it's... What I see as the purpose of parody is far different from that of the traditional appropriation, the kind that I'm talking about. The kind which is ignorant to culture's meaning, where it comes from, its signals, its significance. Whenever something parodies something, if it's a good parody anyway, it will properly understand its source material. It will understand where it's coming from. And so, yes, it maybe doesn't necessarily have permission, as we would say is normally is not the case in appropriation, but we are still trying to draw attention to things as they are. The issue with cultural appropriation is that we take things in a way that doesn't show them how they are. So, what I ask is how what I will ask you is how do we move forward in having proper cultural appreciation? And it comes out in what has already been said here today. We do not blatantly take symbols across the world in a way that does not properly represent the way they are. If it is a religious symbol, we must properly treat it as such and understand that religion and if it's necessary, be a part of it before it's something we can start calling our own. If it's a cultural symbol, for example, I wouldn't stand up here wearing a pioneer pin because I have not prayed to the souls every single day and I have not been not drinking for however, however many years. It's this matter of qualification. And we need to accept that there are certain aspects of culture which require this. For all these reasons we've seen that cultural appropriation is harmful to minorities and marginalised groups and it continues to de-educate society about what these things actually mean. To conclude, it's clear to me that cultural appropriation is cultural defamation. Thank you. Proposition for the I welcome the floor of Mr. Kieran Gallagher. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. 
I'm just making your homies joke, but there we go. <laughs> Um, you could say that joke was appropriate. Anyway. <laughs> um, now, a couple of things. Um, there's almost too much to wrap up, but um, one note that I've heard so far is uh, things about uh, ownership and permission uh, needs to be acquired. Um, now, isn't it dangerous, I find, when we're talking about cultural insensitivity and we're, we're veering on racism as well here, isn't it dangerous to assume that a culture holds unanimous consensus? Isn't that treating uh, one culture, and culture is a very, very strange thing, anthropologists can't even make up their minds what entirely it means. For example, if you talk about African ethnicity, you're talking about a continent of millions of people with uh, a north, south, east, and west, all sorts of cultures. Uh, going on, you can simply talk about Africans and what Africans consider to be okay and what not. On that point, sure, go ahead. So, do you then offer yourself up as the authority to decide? <laughs> <laughs> do you then, up there are you then safe in authorizing yourself as the authority to say what symbols can be safely appropriated or where these foreign cultures' consensus lies? Great question. I was just about to come on to this. Um, I don't, truly, I am not convinced that anyone has that authority. After all, who would you? If you, uh, if you think about your own culture, now, um, I know many of us come from some of the most privileged uh, cultures on earth, but to whom would you give the job? of deciding for you and for your culture, for your people, for your community, what is allowed to be used or expressed or distorted from your community. Go ahead. Oh, no, President of Ireland, the least short fellow. I think he was elected more on the point of political representation to an extent that it, yes, inherits cultural representation, but it's missing the point of it. Anyway, in any case, even if you were to take the disapproval of one, as uh, remember, does not mean the disapproval of many. And even then, the disapproval of many, even the majority, does not make that disapproval reasonable. And this is another problem. The term cultural appropriation is terribly, terribly broad. It has been described as everything from uh, blackface, I don't want to go into the details of that, all the way down to, as has already been said, things like uh, doing yoga, performing that sort of thing. Um, here's an interesting case. Uh, there is a culture, uh, an art form known as jazz. Now, where did jazz come from? Obviously, it originated in the States. But um, you could say um, that it came from the roots of Ameri African American blues music, uh, it came from African continental percussive rhythms. Uh, and it also came from European dance rhythms. So who owns jazz? It's split across three continents there already. Who, who is the owner of that? I mean, I know people have taken, uh, taken umbrage at the fact that Iggy Azalea, for example, um, being, I think I'm talking about the right person here anyway, is a white woman performing rap, for example. I actually disagree with this as well, not because she's white, but because she's just not very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's see. Uh, now, another thing I want to cover actually, yes, was uh, intent. So, I think there is a sort of consensus in the room that c 
cultural appropriation as a result of ignorance is not the same as flat-out racism. That, I think the room is more or less on the same page about that. But um, too often are they grouped as the same. There must be a distinction, surely, because intent must count for something, because deliberate racial nastiness um, is totally different to ignorant misuse. Uh, for example, people who actually harbour truly racist thoughts and real racist malice actually don't tend, if you'll notice, to want to associate with the, the, the cultural means and the cultural elements and symbols of those cultures they want nothing to do with. You don't see many people with both a swastika on one shoulder and a Star of David on the other. It just doesn't tend to happen. On that point, sir. Go ahead. So far you've been arguing that cultural appropriation is not that bad, but but that's not the same thing as saying that it is appreciation. And, and, and then also you focused on the issue of permission, but really what, what that embodies is more just contact with the other culture, not just not necessarily <coughs> verbal consent or written consent, but just contact, being able to have a claim to the to the two, oh, to, two points I'm going to uh, get on to. Actually, I'll get on to that. So, um, the first was, we've talked about how appreciation is not, or appropriation is not a bad thing. How is appreciation? As Lily said in her opening statement, um, it doesn't need to be uh, well-informed and it doesn't need to be uh, actually respectful for it to be appreciation. Appreciation can take the fo uh, form in both an origin of ignorance and an origin of well-informed understanding. By the way, this is another thing we assume about cultures, that because someone is from a certain culture that they themselves are well-versed in their own culture. Now, I know loads of people who couldn't tell me in Ireland what the difference between, in, in between a real and a jig is. I know plenty of Irish people who know the first two lines of their national anthem and don't know the damn rest of it. Um, anyway, I'm closing on my time, so I better get on with this. Um, so, now of course there is the issue of uh, privilege and societal hierarchy, and that is a difficult question, which brings me on to the second point there. Um, surely, what I'm getting from the opposition, I think their work is all ahead of them if they're trying to uh, assert that we need to uh, be some more exclusionary with this. I think it is much, much better idea, however uncomfortable, however nasty the trial and error phase may be, to actually have a much more open discussion and see where it, each other's pressure points are. Not, obviously not going too far on that, but um, to sum up, Firstly, as I said, true informed appreciation and ignorant appreciation are never, uh, nevertheless appreciation. Secondly, it, it is through a appreciation, inappropriate or otherwise, uh, that art may evolve and develop a continuing tapestry of heritage. I'm sorry, I didn't get to talk more about that. And the complexity and difference, uh, differences between each case so nuanced in this debate that a policy of exclusion, as I said, can only be inferior to an open discussion. So let's have a little fit and try it out. Okay? Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd just like to point out that uh, the last speaker tonight is also simultaneously streaming the debate. Uh, playing as photographer, also tweeting, 
Um, if you look, oh, is he? Oh, you're tweeting, are you? He's doing photography and he's streaming and he's also speaking tonight. And if you look very closely, he's also got a, a set of symbols throughout his knees as well. So, for one night only, I welcome the Honourable Tech Officer for the 116th session for his last speech and appearance in this institution, Mr. Christopher. Itself. 
It's whether that act in itself is expressing and engaging with that culture, appreciation of that culture, or it is simply making use of such an item for some ulterior motive, uh, whether that's because you look good in like tribal tattoos or something, or you want like Japanese language on your your arm, that looks cool. God knows what it says, but <laughs> um, but that's the real difference. It's a, it's a matter of context. Um, simply, you can't really treat every single act with a big broad brush, which I believe is what the uh, proposition are really trying to do tonight uh, in stating that appropriation is appreciation. Um, because not all acts are indeed the same and have different contexts. Now, if we look at such instances, uh, such as, uh, so I've this point here. Um, so essentially, yes, it's a cherry picking of ideas without any real context to that culture um, and whatever baggage might be associated with that culture, for example, racial or historical difficulty. And it can't even be considered really as taking a holiday in that culture because you're just using it. There is no real context at all to it. On that point, yes. I think the line you're drawing here with the use of other cultures is arbitrary, especially if you consider the nature of culture and the taste of music, food, places. It's very diverse, very complex reasoning behind people who want to get involved in that. Um, I, don't, I think it's cynical to admit that wanting to get involved in other reasons apart from like a deep intellectual interest in it is is but I, I believe that I don't think you're actually addressing this at all because engaging it with these other you're not then appreciating that culture you're not appreciating the characteristics behind that culture which has resulted in that item or actor piece note that has resulted in that culture it is a context versus a lack of context you which one of you was it who brought up the ideal? You don't need to know the background to your dinner. The background to your dinner is the culture of your dinner from where it resulted from. Whatever farms or historical acts resulted in the production of your curry, your different dishes, your Szechuan chicken. Um, yes? It's all good you saying that, but like. If you have a Chinese over here, it's extremely different to an actual mm. Chinese because they mutated it Sorry. in order to fit Western ideals. So it's like it's not necessarily the same, and like you yes. don't need to know the culture behind that because it's been but then it's been cherry picked for us, as it were. But then you're not appreciating the culture, is the thing, though. Yeah, but, it's but that's the core of this debate, is it not? It is that cultural appropriation is. A cultural appreciation, which I self evidently it isn't. It's a simple use of various items from a culture without that context. Um, and I've been rambling because I've been quite distracted and I haven't actually done a serious debate in some time. Um, I've done some debates, I haven't treated so seriously. I'm not here to say whether an act of cut. Cultural appropriation is good or bad. Uh, we, but the truth is, I don't believe that we can address all forms of cultural in interaction in a blanket manner. Some are appropriative, 
making use of aspects with neither understanding nor interest in it, where others are truly appreciated, engaging and learning from different cultures on all levels, good and bad. And really, yes, we, this is quite a difficult thing really, because I, I, Mr. Ollie Donnelly made a point earlier on and just stated, but it is, <laughs> but it isn't rather. And I, I quite get where it comes from because I believe that they are two very distinctive and really separate and that's why I believe that because of these conceptual differences that you have to vote this motion down. And if, it, if it's useful in one sense or another, it catches on, it survives. And anything that isn't dies out. That's why evolution is such a good analogy for it. I hope that would kind of wrap us up. Opposition of the open spots? Well, you're talking about this issue as if, in, 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 in terms of the long term view, and um, 
In the long term, I completely agree with you about the evolution of culture, but these problems don't arise over a period of 100 years, say, they arise in the present. And, and what's more, there are sometimes uh, historical institutionalized separations that were create, created, which prevented this synthesis of cultures, and we're still dealing with those. And so while we're still dealing with those, perhaps it's better to, to give this, this concept of appropriation some serious consideration. All right, and then we'll take a question for the opposition. Uh, Mr. Bishop. Um, Mr. Chris, that's all right. Uh, you made the strong point that I saw that Lily's argument was very similar to your own. Yeah. And I basically disagree with that. I think this is all very ad lib at the minute. But I think what Lily was trying to say was more that there are two kinds of appropriation, which are inappropriate appropriation <coughs> and appreciative appropriation, whereas what you were saying were the two separate entities. So I'm just wondering. What would you say to that? Do you think that there is any form of appropriation, so to speak, or is that all Well, ultimately, um, I'm not here to pass judgment about whether appropriation is good or bad. No, that's the truth of it. This motion is not about whether appropriation is good or bad. The point is that appropriation is different to appreciation. Now, appreciation of a single thing of a single item that you might enjoy, your, your tea or your, or your whatever, that doesn't mean that then you have that context behind it all. Um, appreciation is the engagement with that culture in a meaningful manner. Um, and that's where I believe actually it comes into the likes of jazz and the evolution of jazz in different cultures. Whereas appropriation is simply just taking something because, you know, Various other reasons, not really engagement with the culture underlying that very thing. Um, so yeah. Well, I would like to respond to that. I think I think address this, but I think appropriation as a appropriation is a a scale, a sort of distribution from supreme misappropriation to supreme extreme weird fetish. <laughs> and uh, this is that around three years. Own ideas. 
anybody can have an idea, two people can have the same idea, so how on earth could you own the idea? <laughs> Proposition, you know, first round of uh, Yeah, cultural or intellectual property was invented in the 17th century in Britain. So, yeah, actually, appropriate culture, you have to appreciate the 16th century British people. So, the appropriate, you must appreciate, and it's for the far side. This debate is getting far too messy. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> 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 I'm going to put an end to this cultural context appreciation tripe. I'm going to do so by drawing the house's attention to my shirt. Chris made, which is whenever you're appreciating something properly, you're not appropriating it, and vice versa. If you see here, my t-shirt has Thor on it, alright? Now, we can see here where the lines between appreciation and appropriation are drawn. Now, we talked about enjoying something and whether or not that's appropriation or not. Any average Joe could wear this shirt, and anyone could enjoy that. That's appreciation of a shirt but it's not appropriation of a culture. Because the culture surrounding this shirt is, you know, names like Starlin, Kirby, McNiven, Aaron, and a bunch of other comic book nerd names. I'm not going to recite. But the point is that when someone's appreciating this shirt, they're not at the same time appropriating the culture. Now at the same time, whenever someone does appropriate the culture, if they were saying they knew everything about what Thor, what the comics were about, and they didn't, and they are appropriating, but they are not appreciating. Whenever you are appreciating an item of culture, not the culture of itself, you have not appropriated. On the other side of something, whenever you are appropriating something, show me where.
person. And the friend of this has been just popping on to go in the restaurant and buy a nice biryani or something. Uh, but what if we look at this in a more historical context? How did we originally get courage to this country? It involved a huge amount of violence and British imperialism in India. So that ensured cultural integration, but were uh, British truly really appreciated Indian culture at that time? Proposition? Um, okay, I'll give this back. So, what? The, what you've just described there, I don't think, is very to fall under cultural appreciation. That is cultural, uh, that could be described as cultural misappropriation. I would also describe it as even cultural theft, if you want to go that far. Um, it's, as I said, this is, this is a very complex and you're saying, I'm not exactly how there is, behind every culture there is, uh, often a heritage and a real history with lots of details that many people of those cultures aren't even aware of. And it is complicated because the history of these cultures are complicated. And, the, the, I mean, it, it, it also involves the fact that, that histories on a scale of the smallest local tribes to uh, nations, continents apart, you will have had bloody struggles. It's so, so complicated. So, uh, can we please return to uh, appreciation, not cases where, as you said, uh, where we're talking about plunder and theft and things like that. So to say that you can't have that, I think, is ingenuous. Disingenuous. 
Uh, really, such things will probably be a very contentious issue, especially considering the incredibly diverse makeup of the house we have here tonight. This again comes back to what Chris said about cherry picking. It's when we're taking rap, it's what I think is disingenuous is to say that the entire culture of rap is appropriated. Something as vast as that, and which is created by so many people, to try and say that that's one culture, to try and put that into a singular block, I think is unwise. And so to say that anyone can appropriate and appreciate it in its entirety, I think doesn't sound right. Because if we had the entire context of everything, creates a culture which is so vast that no one's capable of appreciating or appropriating. So if someone's appropriating certain parts of rap, or as Chris said, cherry picking, then are they appreciating it? Proposition. Proposition if you like response. All I wanted to say was that on your Start, this is the first time I've probably said I'm quite offended. <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> I was just saying how um, appropriation is appreciation in so many aspects, and to say that it isn't is disingenuous. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> One last abstaining point of action. Someone who's you know, known for his abstaining on pretty much every walk of life. <laughs> Thank you, President. Um, and as someone who's been talking to you, I like went back on this entire bit. I'm so confused. I honestly don't remember which way around the motion was anymore. <laughs> <laughs> appreciation and then appropriation was appropriation. I just don't know. So I'd like to ask a simple question. Um, not interesting at all, very black and white, hopefully. Can either side provide me an example of when cultural appropriation, let, let's just take it and say, and I'll go through the fine for let's say appropriation is bad, let's just say that. Can anyone provide, provide an example of when cultural appropriation actually leads to someone suffering from physical harm and don't just say, like, oh, a poorly cooked meal could lead to food poisoning? I mean, like, actually, <laughs> when, when has someone uh, or appropriate someone's culture for the purpose of? Inflicting physical physical harm. Can anyone think of anything about that? Uh, proposition you get first right of response. Well, obviously I don't want to give an example of the kind of emotion that I'm proposing. I'll give a kind of example. Oh, <laughs> 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 like appropriating appropriating culture is good. So, say for example, after the Second World War, when the Nazis and lost <laughs> and all of their engineers. We're checking from Germany, we're tired. We got to the moon. Cultural appropriation got to the moon. So, yeah. I have to say that really is the most upsetting. 
question I've ever heard. Yes. We aren't here to address that question whatsoever. We really aren't here to address whether cultural appropriation is good or bad. In fact, we can, anyone can come up with a certain example of whether they do. But what we are here to discuss is whether cultural appropriation is appreciation. And I believe because of the definition of cultural appropriation as an act of taking from a culture without any uh, appreciation of the historical or whatever bits of I keep saying this word, but it is absolutely critical to the entire thing. You are without context. And without that context, you can't appreciate that context. Cultural appreciation is the appreciation of culture of context, not of things. So that's, we're not really going to address that. That's the point out to neither side, you know, that's it. So what we have to say is that for every instance, at least for the proposition, you have to say that for every instance of cultural appropriation, it must also be cultural appreciation. You must prove this. Then you must also show that for every instance of cultural appreciation, it is also appropriation. So can you put forward an argument to propose that, to prove that, and can you disprove that? By using it, 
does not mean that you have to be informed by it. It may well mean that you may cause offence, you may have misunderstood or misinterpreted it in an offensive or inappropriate way, but that is, as the opposition pointed out, not the point. The point is, it is nevertheless appreciation whether or not it is benevolent. And I've run out of seat. First of all, I'd just like to um, disagree with you there about your interpretation of the motion. I, I think it's perfectly possible that this motion doesn't imply equivalence. It, it can just imply if then statements. So if uh, if appropriation, then, then appreciation. And um, just like to start with that, I, 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 I would also like to respond to the points or definitions. I, I tried to make clear what my interpretation was, and I think I agree with Mr. Gallagher here um, about both actually. Um, first, first of all, appro uh, appropriation it isn't just isn't just um, it isn't, it, 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 it's it's more than just uh, what, what was your point again? It's uh, ex the, uh, used by expression. Used by expression. Right, expression. And, and so expression for me is, is the same as representing something. So th those are similar words. For me, that's what this was about. Appropriation was representing something, and appreciation was um, was. Receiving it well, an idea, or, or perhaps um, another way of saying that's value, right? So if we have something like, uh, and if we say appropriation involves also some kind of contact with the other culture, it involves some kind of, well, not necessarily consent, but at least at least a cultural, ex at least, um, well. <laughs> Appropriation involves the absence of that. So appropriation involves the absence of contact with another culture, the absence of an exchange, and that's precisely the problem because it implies that appropriation is necessarily misrepresentation, and that you can't necessarily value something that you, that you aren't aware of. Because if you have misrepresented it, then you're unaware of it, you don't really understand it, and that's. This session. Uh, first, a vote of prior opinion. So, if you're all, all in support of the motion before you enter the room tonight and have the arguments, please raise your hands and say aye. Aye. And if you were against the motion before you entered the room this evening, please raise your hands and say nay. And if you had no particular opinion on the motion before you entered the room this evening, please raise your hand and say that. Performance. So, if you felt that the proposition managed to state their case effectively and convinced you of their case this evening, please raise your hands and say aye. You can't vote for yourself. And if you thought the opposition stated the case more effectively, please raise your hands and say nay. Hans, I said hi, folks, one more time.